Welcome to Have You Heard, the AABP podcast. My name is Dr. Fred Gingrich. I'm the executive director of AABP. This podcast is sponsored by Merck Animal Health. Could your cattle be more covered from BRD? If you're not using Bovillus Vista 1 Sub-Q, the answer is yes. It's shown effectiveness against the major cause of BRD, plus Pastorella multocida and BVD type 1B. No other vaccine covers as much. End with industry-leading duration of immunity. Give calves the most complete BRD coverage in a single dose. Bovalus Vista Once Sub-Q, another way Merck Animal Health works for you. Today, we are joined by AABP member and Merck Animal Health Technical Services veterinarian, Dr. Brent Meyer. Brent is going to walk us through the details about Pastorella multocida, its role in the bovine respiratory disease complex, and how veterinarians can work with producers to develop, to develop a prevention program to control this disease. Stay tuned for more information. Welcome to our show, Brent. Very excited to have you here today, uh, representing Merck Animal Health. Uh, please introduce your introduce yourself to our audience. Yeah, thanks, Fred. Thanks for having me on. Uh, my name is Brent Meyer, and I work with Merck Animal Health. I'm a technical services veterinarian. I've been working with them for about 11 years. Prior to that, uh, I owned and operated practices in Iowa, uh, and I spent some time in North Dakota as well. Um, mainly large animal with uh, a feedlot uh, consulting background during that time frame. So um, right now with Merck, I specialize in the cow-calf feedlot and stalker uh, arena uh, right now in my current role. Well, great. And today uh, we're going to talk about uh, a bacteria that most of our listeners are probably familiar with, and that is Pastorella multocida. But let's do a little refresher about what uh, that pathogen is. Can you tell us about it and what is the impact that Pastorella multocida has on cattle health? Yeah, so the impact Pastorella multocida has is going to be uh, kind of combined in what the industry looks at the 800 to 900 billion dollar loss to BRD uh, across the industry. So um, really, it's hard to peel out exactly what multocida, what proportion of that loss is pastoral multocida. Um, but that's kind of where we focus on, uh, you know, with our research is is what can we do, understand the bacteria, how it works, uh, and to provide solutions to veterinarians and, and, and producers. So pastoral multocida, just a quick review, would be it's a gram-negative facultative anaerobe uh, in that uh, I call a triad of gram-negative BRD bacteria. you got Mannheimia hemolytica and Histophilus somni, and pastoral multocida is, is right in there. Uh, there are, right now there are uh, about five capsular subtypes um, that are involved in pastoral multocida. The one that uh, affects cattle is the type A3. Uh, that's the most common one. And so what we see with multocida, um, you know, I guess I'll compare it, go back. I'll compare it to Mannheimia hemolytica. Most people know that that is a pretty acute uh, uh, sudden death type bacteria. So you see a lot of pen deads or quick deads 
um, with that bacteria. Uh, with Maltosida, we don't see that, uh, you know, that sudden death or quick uh, pen death type situation. It's more of a uh, industry calls it a smoldering uh, pneumonia, a covert type pneumonia that just hangs on for a while. Um, Mannheimia hemolytica can cause a pretty severe necrotic uh, fibrinous bronchopneumonia, more of a localized uh, situation in the lung tissue. With pastoral multosida, it uh, can cause, definitely causes a bronchopneumonia, but more of a uh, subacute chronic uh, type of bronchopneumonia. And it uh, tends to be more diffuse. Uh, for some reason, the inflammation that multosida uh, causes, it covers more of a broader area of lung tissue. So it's not so much localized uh, with the, the Mannheimia hemolytica that we're, we're used to seeing. So we often don't see adhesions, um, you know, fibrinous type stuff with multosida. So that's kind of a maybe a brief review of, of pastorella multosida compared to uh, Mannheimia hemolytica type of problems. Yeah. And, you know, BRD, it seems like most of our beef uh, associated podcasts, we, we talk about BRD. Uh, and, you know, there's many causes of BRD in cattle, many pathogens, as well as, you know, underlying uh, uh, causes. What, what role does Pastorella multosida play in the bovine respiratory disease complex? Yeah, we've looked at that. Uh, so the role, I guess I will start with prevalence. Uh, when we look at diagnostic lab, samples, whether it's from practicing veterinarians, if we get called in to look in at disease investigations, or if we're involved with, uh, you know, research or other uh, disease situations uh, within uh, my, my job duties, what we're finding is the multosida, the pastoral multosida bacteria is typically uh, the number one bacteria we isolate or find in dairy calves. Uh, and in the beef calf world, uh, it tends to be number two. Uh, that gap between, I'll uh, start on the beef side, so the gap between Mannheimia hemolytica and Pastorella multosida is is uh, closing. And so Mannheimia hemolytica on the beef side is the number one uh, bacteria that we find in isolate or cause majority of the problems, and the Pastorella multosida is right behind there. We're seeing about 40 to 50% of those uh, lab reports um, either on, uh, you know, a PCR positive, but that combined with active cultures uh, from those lung tissue is that pastoral multosida is in that um, high 40s to 50% range on the beef side. Uh, on the dairy calf side, uh, I think it's based on the housing, the management styles, that the difference between the, the cow calf sector and the dairy industry is that on the dairy calf, the pastoral multosida bacteria is number one, the most isolated uh, bacteria. On, on those calves that have the BRD. And so to me, that's what the role uh, of this of this bacteria is and why I think that we need to um, start giving that a little more attention uh, with our, um, our cattle health uh, is to, to try to just put that together. Um, and so another thing that I just want to mention with those diagnostic lab findings, uh, especially on the dairy side, is there's a really strong correlation between finding bovine coronavirus uh, and uh, BRSV in conjunction with pastorella. And on the beef side, there's a lot of bovine coronavirus that we're finding as well. Um, so there seems, it seems to be a synergistic type of situation going on between the, that virus and, and this bacteria. Yeah. And, and Brent, your role as a, as a veterinarian with Merck Animal Health, you talk to producers, our veterinarians that are listening to this show, talk to producers, 
about Pastorella Matasada, what is your experience with producers' understanding of the role it plays in BRD, and what are some misconceptions that perhaps uh, practicing veterinarians might want to address with their producers regarding this pathogen? Yeah, that's a good question. So what I've found out in the field is is uh, understanding that the bacteria uh, have changed their names over the years. Uh, you, you know as well as I do that some of the bacteria we learned about in school is now different yeah. names. So, um, you know, in the past, uh, Mannheimia hemolytica was called Pastorella hemolytica. And there's still that, to me, there's that thought process out there that when I, when I say Pastorella, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is hemolytica. Um, and so there's, there's a thought process or maybe uh, uninformed that this is a different bacteria and it didn't get a lot of attention um, at that time, but now it's, it's, it's um, definitely been a concern. So I think the, the nomenclature has been an issue uh, to try to just educate the, the, the producers or veterinarians. Uh, veterinarians know more about it, but the producers themselves, you know, just to understand that, that there is a, a, I call triad of bacteria here. Multosida is, uh, you know, in that top two that we really need to, to look at. Um, the other thing that, you know, producers, you know, they, they see all, you know, the dead pile or the, the death loss. Uh, and typically um, that's what they gauge on what, what's causing that. And we, we got to focus on that. And so, like I said earlier, a lot of times that's that Mannheimia hemolytica situation. Um, so just because uh, they're not seeing the death loss per se, uh, but the the treat response is declined. Our case fatality rate is going up. Uh, we hear a lot of information about performance is suffering as far as average daily gain uh, and growth. And so those kind of um, situations, um, it helps understand the role that this bacteria plays uh, in the BRD complex. And so it takes some education uh, is what we're doing uh, to, to inform people that you know, what this bacteria is and what, what it can do. Yeah. And following up with that, you know, veterinarians have an important role to play in helping producers understand how pastorella matosida can impact their herds. What do you think is key for those veterinarians to know as they, as they talk to producers, what are those key points they should tell them? I think a key point would, would be what, what the diagnostic labs are finding or what uh, the veterinarians themselves are finding on uh, samples they send in. Uh, Like I said, it's been repeatable of of the prevalence of this bacteria. It's either number one or number two, uh, most isolated bacteria on these uh, uh, diseased lung tissues. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of just trying to describe to the producer that this is a bacteria that uh, is kind of covert, Uh, you know, it kind of sneaks in on you. Uh, and, and it causes a lot of the chronicity that that we deal with, uh, and so uh, to me, it's, it's just understanding the educational aspect of of what we're seeing in the field, and then relaying that back to the producer, uh, but tying in not so much that you know the death loss issue, but more or less the performance issue, the the chronicity of of what this bacteria can do um, to increase awareness uh, for those producers. How would veterinarians and producers know if they're facing a Pastorella multosida problem? Yeah, I think when we get called out, the the most common complaint we have is uh, we're retreating too many calves. Our, our chronic pen population is going up. 
Yeah. And whether it's the beef cow calf side or stock or industry, the uh, performance is affected as well as on the dairy side, the dairy calf is, is uh, also a big issue with performance or you just see a general um, group of calves that are just falling behind their herd mates that uh, were never treated. Obviously, you know, there's research out there that if calf gets treated once, their average daily gain is decreased by a quarter of a pound a day, uh, but they really fall behind. Um, and so that's one thing that that we see, and that's one thing that we get back from veterinarians is, is you know, we're just seeing a lot of chronics, our treat response is poor, performance is down, uh, you know, and then the other thing that we can do um, is to start doing some anamortem diagnostics uh, and tend to look at what's going on in a sick calf versus a healthy calf. Uh, and then obviously, obviously, if we can get some postmortem diagnostics in there as well, um, you know, that, that demonstrate that pastoral multosita is there. Uh, but that's kind of the, the big thing is is those um, metrics that, that we see that these calves are falling behind. Um, that's kind of signals that this might be an issue. And you mentioned the anti-mortem and post-mortem diagnostics. What would those practicing veterinarians want to focus on uh, in that area, do you think, Brent? Yeah, that's a good question because um, just just doing nasal swabs, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's helpful. Uh, but to have cohorts where you have a, uh, a sick calf and a, and a healthy calf to kind of compare those. Um, but, you know, the further down we go, I feel – that if we can do some deep nasopharyngeal swabs um, or transtracheal washes uh, are, are very valuable uh, in, in the situation. Uh, and then, you know, PCRs are good. Uh, then also uh, cultures uh, and sensitivities are a good good way to go uh, with that antemortem um, situation. Yeah, good tips. And we always remind our listeners, contact your diagnostic labs, but also uh, – Use your technical services veterinarians as well when you're trying to work up these herd problems uh, to, to, to make sure you reach out to them uh, as, a, as a great resource. You know, with most diseases, prevention is usually the best practice for controlling it. So what is the best way to prevent the damage uh, from Pastorella multocida? Yeah, that's where, you know, as a veterinarian, that's kind of our our mission is prevention. And so the first thing that we talk about with producers is, is uh, management. Um, and so with that, we're looking at nutritional management, uh, water, you know, accessibility, cleanliness of the water, reducing our stresses that, that, uh, you know, we can, as people can put on the cattle, we can't control the weather, obviously, but, but we can do things that maybe limit that weather stress, uh, and avoiding those really huge stressful situations um, so that our immune system um, is is firing as uh, efficiently as possible. Uh, you tie that into also with internal parasites. Uh, if we can get those under control as well, then our immune system is going to work even better. Uh, we've done some work on that as well, that those uh, calves are heavily, heavily parasitized. Their immune systems don't respond well to natural infection and or uh, immunity via vaccines. The other thing we want to look at is, you know, choosing vaccines, uh, you know, based on what disease or bacteria or virus we're trying to trying to prevent. Uh, there, there's some more current research on pastoral multosida that uh, if we can get some good uh, outer membrane protein antibody, whole cell antibodies uh, to pastoral multosida, that there's some fairly decent 
um, protection, efficacious um, protection against lung lesions. I know there's been a uh, in the past those older um, pastoral multocida vaccines or typically whole cell type products killed vaccines that tended to stress calves out. Uh, they didn't have a good reputation. Um, and so there's some education going on there as well that to say our technology has improved. We don't have to worry so much about those negative adverse events of those older killed vaccines that, that we had. Um, so those, you know, vaccines. So yeah, we got nutrition, reduced stresses, internal parasites, uh, using efficacious vaccine. And then we can also forget about, um, you know, metaphylaxis is a tool that veterinarians have um, to, you know, control the uh, bacteria that uh, can wreak havoc on these calves in this stressful type of environment. And so those are some things that, that we look at as a way to prevent um, pastoral multocida issues. Uh, and I'll just, I'll, I'll digress a little bit. Prevention, uh, you know, producers sometimes think that what's in the bottle can sterilize or provide sterilizing immunity to these calves. And that's not the case. Um, you know, these vaccines have been tested and tried and they're safe and pure and efficacious. And, uh, you know, in a perfect world, we hope they would, they would just protect everybody, but they don't. Um, and so sometimes boosters need to be had or, uh, you know, so just sometimes the calves just don't respond as well as we want them to. So it's, it takes education as well as one dose isn't going to cut it sometimes on these cattle. Yeah, great point. That's where communication with the veterinarian and the producers is very important and, and great tips on just general good animal husbandry goes a long way in preventing disease in, in all of our cattle. Let's talk a little bit about the Pastorella Multocida vaccine. Brent, if you could describe the vaccine uh, to us that we're talking about and then maybe talk about at what age you know, veterinarians could think about recommending to producers to vaccinate for pastoral multocida, uh, you know, for cow-calf operations. You mentioned dairy calves, et cetera. Yeah, so the age will depend on, to me, is the disease pressure that the producer is is um, being experienced with. So if a producer is having problems, I'll just go with the, the cow-calf side. If, if they're having uh, BRD problems in that neonate, beef calf, then there's products out there that are labeled for a, a week of age and older. Uh, you know, like Merck has the nasogen 3 PMH or the once PMH intranasal vaccines that can fit that um, age range. So, so we can get that, uh, that protection on board, uh, ideally two to three weeks before that major disease pressure affects those calves. Uh, then we got, you know, a turnout or branding, however you want to put it. Um, there's, you know, use the same vaccines again, or there's uh, injectable type products that go sub Q, Vista once SQ uh, is another product that that would fit in that situation. Got the turnout or branding. If you have problems uh, while those calves are on grass with uh, uh, with mama cow, so so it just depends. The age depends on the label of the vaccine, and then also when those uh, producers see that disease pressure. Uh, and so that's kind of what we look at and, and then work back and get that vaccine on board two to three weeks prior to that, that disease pressure. So that's kind of what we're looking at. <clears throat> yeah, that makes total sense. You know, as we wrap up here, Brent, is there anything else you think is important for our listeners to know or understand about pastoral multocida, uh, that pathogen and preventing it um, in our beef and dairy herds? Yeah, I think on, 
on both beef and dairy side, uh, one thing I just want to mention is that uh, the, I mean, I, we get some of the adverse event stuff that come across or the weird stuff, but there tends to be uh, quite a few pan-resistant pasteurized maltosida that show up on these lab reports or these cases that we deal with. And pan-resistant means they're, you know, resistant to multiple antimicrobials that are in our toolbox. And so when you're dealing with that, it's obviously very frustrating that our treat response is extremely poor in those situations. And so it kind of it goes back to uh, the previous question is, you know, what can we do to um, prevent pasteurella? And so um, I guess vaccination to me is, is, is a, one of those tools in that toolbox that we can get that CAPS immune system to a level where it can fight off or resist uh, a more disease pressure. If they get stressed, they, they have some protection on board so that we don't have to worry about or rely on our antibiotics to, to do the job. Uh, we rely on that calf to, to get a strong immune response to, to prevent that from, from happening. So to me is it's uh, I like using the, using the vaccines, uh, you know, whether it's pasture maltosis or BVD or whatever, um, to to get that solid foundation and not use the antimicrobials as a band-aid in these situations. Well, Brent, I really appreciate your time today to educate our listeners about this very important part of the bovine respiratory disease complex, Pastorella matosida. I want to thank Merck Animal Health for sponsoring this podcast. I also want to just give a little shout out to Merck because our scholarship applications are open right now and really appreciate the support that Merck has given AABP in supporting the Bovine Veterinary Student Recognition Award. Uh, we'll give 18 $5,000 scholarships this year at the conference again. So I want to just uh, thank Merck for uh, uh, their generous support of that scholarship program for many years. I would encourage our listeners, if you have questions about Pastorella Maltosida and the vaccination and prevention programs that Brent talked about today, to reach out to your technical services veterinarian at Merck Animal Health uh, and use them as a resource as you work with your producer herds. Brent, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. I enjoyed it. <laughs>